Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. I'm joined by Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan of the Star Tribune, live from U.S. Bank Stadium. I keep saying live. It's not live. It's obviously not live. It's a podcast, but we're live. After the Vikings beat the Packers 23-7 to in the opener, the first game, ushering in the Kevin O'Connell era by making Aaron Rodgers look like Blake Bortles. It was... It was something else. Well, I was talking, Jim, Jim, we were all talking before the podcast, and I think the most shocking thing, at least to, to um, Jim, you were saying, is the fact that that Vikings defense made Rodgers look pretty inept. It really did. And you wonder if Watson catches that first pass and they get a 75-yard touchdown in the first play, how that changes the game flow. But all we know is that, that Rodgers, for 59 minutes of the game, looked completely lost and he looked like he had no faith in his receivers and he looked like he had reason to have no faith in his receivers and of course you know it's not that simple I mean you do have to give the Vikings a lot of credit Uh, you know Smith and Hunter did exactly what the Vikings hoped they would do and you know I, I and the Vikings cornerbacks didn't seem like they even had to play particularly well against this group of receivers to shut them down. And we talked about the Packers losing Devontae Adams as, you know, being an issue for them. But I didn't think it was going to make Aaron Rodgers look like that. No. uh, Now, it may be a different game if the surefire touchdown he throws in the first play uh, stays in Christian Watson's hands instead of falling right through them. That was the the knock on him before the draft is, hey, this guy can run all day, but he doesn't catch the ball very well. Had like a 12.5% drop rate in college. And that – may have changed the game if he beats Patrick Peterson, had Patrick Peterson beat on that double move on the first play. That's probably a walk-in touchdown, and then we're tied 7-7 You know, once the, the Vikings get the ball back. But that changed things quite a bit. The, the goal line series, the Packers got stopped. I mean, this, this could have been a different game, but the Packers also made enough mistakes that the Vikings were in control most of the way. It is the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career where he has started a game against the Vikings and the Packers have not scored 10 points. The only time that Mike Zimmer's teams held them even to 10 was the game that Rodgers got knocked out in 2017 after Anthony Gabar broke his collarbone. Zimmer, of course, had a shutout against the Packers in 17 at Lambeau Field. That was with Brett Hundley starting at quarterback. So not even Mike Zimmer's defenses, for all of the credit Zimmer got, and rightfully so, for the way he played Aaron Rodgers, Not even Mike Zimmer's defenses made Aaron Rodgers have that tough of a day against the Vikings really at any point in his career. So, um, you know, certainly some some things the Packers didn't do very well with with those rookie receivers and the fact they're missing both their starting tackles, who are both Pro Bowl-level players. We should mention that as well. David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins didn't play. Alan Lazard didn't play. So that's probably going to be a better team going forward. But given all the questions we had about the Vikings' defense – that type of a performance was about as much as they could have asked for week one. And what was the most impressive part? Was it the pass rush? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, the, the other guy that I thought was a pretty consistent factor that we don't really associate with being a pass rusher is Dalvin Tomlinson. He had a number of plays, was in the backfield quite a bit, and recovers the fumble after Jordan Hicks and uh, Daniel Hunter kind of sandwiched Rodgers. And Rodgers, I think, had to go to get checked out on the sideline. But Tomlinson was in the backfield quite a bit as a pass rusher too. So, you know, playing a new position at, at defensive end, not being asked probably to be the type of pass rusher in a three, four, certainly that you would be in a four, three, 
But I thought he had a good day, and you know, again, you're going to see that Packers line probably change, and he may have taken advantage of that. But yeah, that pass rush did an awfully good job making Rodgers uncomfortable, and I thought the secondary probably gave him enough looks. There were a number of times where Rodgers seemed like he was hitching, and maybe receivers weren't in the right spot. Maybe the coverages weren't what he's used to seeing, but he just did not look at any point like he was the guy that you're worried is going to come and change a game in a moment's notice other than that first play. And after that, it was kind of um, – he really didn't have much of a chance to get anything going. Yeah, Jim, did Zadarius Smith kind of earn his money, right, with this one game? Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, I, I think – the easiest thing to say about this team all offseason was if Hunter and Smith are healthy and they play like they're capable of playing, then that changes this team more than anything else because they were terrible on defense last year. And if you have two elite pass rushers uh, playing one on each side, uh, I mean, there were, there were a couple of plays today where if Rodgers hadn't been under pressure from Hunter or Smith, it might have been a touchdown. Instead, it's a sack. I mean, that's it's such a huge turnaround. You know, instead of a big play downfield, you're you're losing ten yards and punting the ball away. That that's how you win games. It's the big plays. And Hunter and Smith were, were spectacular today. Yeah, and Kevin O'Connell's first game as the Vikings head coach and play caller. It was a pretty balanced attack um, through and through. Uh, pretty even on first downs. I mean, they obviously threw the ball a little bit more than um, maybe Mike Zimmer would have in a wire-to-wire victory, but it was Matt LaFleur who was second-guessing his play calling after this and saying that anytime Aaron Jones gets eight touches the entire game, uh, we didn't do enough. And A.J. Dillon, I think, got 15 touches in that game. Those backs still accounted for half of the Packers' yardage in this one, even though I think they accounted for like a third of the touches that seemed to be the only offense they had were those two yeah. running backs. Yeah, that and I think Robert Tunyon had the one on the drive where the Packers got stopped at the goal line. But, yeah, other than that, they didn't really have much of anything going. And it, it, you just felt like Rodgers, if anything went wrong with those rookie receivers, that he wasn't going to trust them being in the right spot. And then, you know, maybe the ball gets held as part – kind of kind of like we're talking about. Maybe that's part of the reason he's holding the ball. But it just – it sort of felt like if anything happened – like that Watson drop, that it was going to get difficult for him to find receivers. In fact, I think there was one point where he threw like seven straight passes in the first half. I think seven of his first eight after the Watson drop were to either running backs or tight ends. I think threw one to Randall Cobb and then had one to Samuel Watkins. But really, I don't, <laughs> Christian Watson kind of got phased out and Romeo Dobbs, their, their other rookie, I think had a couple. But he did not look their way much after that drop, and I, I think maybe he figures, I just <laughs> I don't have time for it at the moment. In terms of the Vikings offense, I was going to say real quickly, a couple of things. First of all, our first day, ability to go in the locker room after a regular season game in a couple of years, and it reminded me how much better it is for us and therefore much how much better it is for the readers when we can go in there with all of our people that we cover with with Star Tribune and spread out and canvas the locker room. And one thing that jumped out at me was – you're standing there talking to people like they're human beings instead of like they're just, you know, these figures at the end of a podium or whatever. Or squares on a Zoom call. Yeah, or squares. on, And, and it's, it's a completely different experience. They are different. They react differently. You can interact with them differently. You can pull them aside and ask them a question. And one of the things that jumped out at me was uh, Thielen, who's – pretty good barometer for what's going on with the team when you read between the lines or can look him in the eye. And he's saying, you know, today we attacked, we attacked, we attacked, we attacked, we attacked in all situations. We weren't afraid to throw the ball. And without saying it, that's obviously a reference to Mike Zimmer's 
offensive philosophy. Yeah, no question. I mean, there was, I thought, a couple of telling moments early in the game when Thielen gets stopped on the third and eight, I think he gets ruled a yard short, and fans are screaming for a challenge to challenge the spot, basically saying it's a first down. O'Connell basically said, I didn't even think about challenging it that much because, and I didn't think about, I didn't have to sit here and deliberate, are we going to go for it? Because I knew I had a play call that I liked so much that it's like, I don't need to challenge it. We're just going to go get it on fourth down. And then you had Justin Jefferson on the jet motion, gets a easy free release and easy touchdown, and it's fine. So that I thought was very telling. And it was also really interesting after the game to hear Kirk Cousins at the podium talk about, I presented game balls to Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa, the new GM. Cousins, I asked him about it a little bit more, and he said he went to Ziggy Wilf in the late in the fourth quarter. Somebody said, hey, you should try to go do the game balls. And Cousins went up to Ziggy and said, can I do it? And Ziggy said, yes, and we've got him ready to go, and we'll do it in the locker room. And Cousins, the Vikings had the clip online. It's, it's worth watching simply because Cousins kind of takes the huddle over and addresses the group. I mean, this is a guy that's – taken a lot of flack he's an 11th year quarterback in the NFL and really I think has felt fairly constrained and I think has been fairly self-conscious probably about the role he's allowed to have it I don't think you would have seen him do that both to present the game balls and to address the team and break down the huddle the way he did in the locker room it was I thought a fairly telling moment as we talk about this change that I think the attacking on offense, and then some of the things you see the quarterback doing would not have happened that way before. Kirk did look pretty comfortable when he was throwing a career-high 185 or four yards, I think it was, to Justin Jefferson um, in this game. Jefferson, I think, was – I think I looked this up in the game. He was like second in the NFL last year in catches beyond 20 yards, and I think he had 27 of them. Um, The Packers gave him four of them before halftime (laughs) today – of, of this game, did they just forget to cover him? Like what, and I guess, Jim, we, you wrote about uh, Jefferson for tomorrow's paper. Was it the Packers talking about how Jair Alexander was saying, I would have liked to have shadowed him, but that just wasn't in our game plan. Yeah. I, and Jefferson was, and some of Jefferson's teammates were shocked that, you know, I mean, there were times he went out and there was a defensive end or a linebacker was the only person in the area. There were times he went out and there was nobody in the area and I don't get it. I really don't get it. Yeah, and, you know, Ben told me that uh, what he heard about Zaire uh, Alexander was that he wanted the assignment. He didn't get it. I, I just Sometimes NFL coaches outthink themselves to a ridiculous degree. I don't know how you don't go into this game and say, Justin Jefferson is not going to just beat us. You know, if, if, if we lose some other way, that's fine. But I'm not going to lose because Justin Jefferson's running around free in the secondary. That, that, that's the first thing you have to take away with this team. And they didn't even try to take it away in the first half. Well, in the pack, and the Vikings had their way with the matchups they wanted. I mean, a couple of those first throws are shallow underneath routes where they're getting Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson basically against a linebacker. And in a couple of cases, Quay Walker, their rookie linebacker, in a zone drop like I'll take that matchup all day long if you're going to give it to me and Jair Alexander's had quite a few battles with Adam Thielen over the last few years but Adam Thielen is not the focus of this thing anymore and Justin Jefferson torched Eric Stokes last year in the first game between these two teams now Stokes was a lot better against Jefferson in the second one but if I'm the Packers I'd say I'm throwing that out that was Sean Mannion it's not Kirk Cousins this is going to be a different deal 
we need to take this guy out of the game. And the fact that they didn't do that with Alexander, who's an awfully good cover corner and would be awfully physical with Jefferson, yeah, it's, it's just a a head-scratcher. Because, I mean, we'll see them again in really at the end of the season. But to come in and have all offseason to sit and plan for this and say, no, we're we're good with – you know, taking our chances, letting them have the matchups they want. It it was uh, a curious decision, to say the least. I think Jefferson's in the NFL lead now with his 184 yards, uh, not surprisingly. Leading all receivers through one week, he reiterated, I saw his comments after the game, saying, yeah, 2,000 yards is my goal or whatever. Going to shoot for that. If nobody shadows him with their top corners throughout the season, he has a pretty good shot at How the game has changed. It's the second person in my 11 years on the beat that I've heard talking about getting 2,000 yards in a season. Uh, the last one was Adrian Peterson. So, And he, of course, did it in 2012 and was talking about I think, getting 2,500 in 2013. But, yes, now a receiver is talking about it and has a very good chance to do it. He has to average 113.5 yards the rest of the way, which isn't easy – but it doesn't sound ridiculous. No, I don't think it sounds ridiculous at all. So it's uh, after one Sunday, it is the Bears and the Vikings atop the NFC North like everybody thought, right? Yeah, just like you drew it up. Yeah. Bears <laughs> in the rain against the uh, team that was a, a player or two away from winning the NFC Championship last year. And seriously, you look at the NFC, we're sitting here on Sunday night and the, the Bucks are beating a, what looks like a really bad Cowboys team. And other than the Bucks, who's – who scares you? I mean, I, I would have said the Packers before watching them play today, but not. I'm not going to say that now. Who in the NFC scares you other than maybe, the Rams too? But and, they and look the terrible. Horrible. Yeah. Who scares you other than maybe the Bucks if the Bucks can stay healthy? I mean, there's there's been a lot of buzz about the Eagles. I it's hard for me to say that with Jalen Hurts until he proves a little bit more. Yeah, wait until they see the big time Vikings come to town though next Yeah, week. I mean it'll be <laughs> Monday night next week in Philly. First uh first primetime game in Philly since the NFC title game a few years back. But yeah, I I don't know. I mean, you know it's hard for me to say the Saints at this point. I don't think you can get there. Um, yeah, there's really not anybody you sit there and say, boy, they're unbeatable. I mean, the 49ers, they're going to be better than they were. The Rams will be better than they were. Obviously, they still have a lot of the same guys, but the Rams don't have Von Miller anymore. The 49ers are trying to figure it out with Trey Lance. The Packers are trying to figure it out with rookie receivers. The Cowboys look like a mess. Um, the Bucks are probably the one that you would say they're going to put it all together, especially once Brady kind of gets rolling here. But, yeah, it's not – a bunch of world beaters in the NFC. So if you get, I mean, it's the whole thing. Get in and get hot, and who knows what happens. I don't want to be too knee-jerk, but, yeah, Trey Lance, uh, Trey Lance beginning his second season as the 49ers guy in Chicago this Sunday. You almost wonder, like, them keeping Jimmy Garoppolo is, like, more of not insurance as much as just, you know, uh, uh, an eventuality. Like, we're eventually going to be playing Jimmy Garoppolo again on this team because Lance looks so bad in some pretty bad conditions in Chicago. But, yeah, I don't know how far that experiment is going to go. But the Vikings end up starting off the Kevin O'Connell era with a bang and give them give all of their fans some reason to feel good, at least for now. Um, before we break, is there anything else that stood out from this game? That I thought it was really interesting that they didn't seem to be featuring the run game. You know, it looks like a passing offense. And yet Dalton Cook rushes 20 times for 90 yards, and Madison has some nice runs too. It's like, it's like I, could see the, I could see this 
running back committee being almost as productive, not being the focus of the offense as it was when it was the focus of the offense. Yeah, and I, I think the line overall was better today. I mean, Ed, Ed Ingram had some tough moments early. Kenny Clark still got his in a couple of spots. One against Ingram, I think, had one against at least one pressure against Bradbury, too. But overall, Cousins had pretty good pockets today, and that's been the other big question is, is this line going to be any better? Today they were, I thought, for the most part. And Cousins, you know, give him credit on the on the deep throw to Jefferson, did a nice job of stepping up in the pocket, extending that play long enough for Jefferson to get downfield. And then he, he throws a ball on a rope and ends up going for 64 yards. But overall, and the line I thought was passable today, which is all you really need him to be. Yeah, I thought Brian, I talked to Brian O'Neill after the game, and um, just a couple of us were getting him by his locker, and he had mentioned um, – well, the qu- a question was posed to him about, like, how does it feel to do this against the Packers and what is considered, like, a, a violent, you know, strong defensive front in Green Bay, basically. Yeah. And O'Neill like, kind of stopped the question halfway through and said, like, well, we're violent too, and you're going to see a better offensive line out of us than you have the past couple years, which is a pretty strong statement from him considering that, yeah, he knows the struggles that they've been through with this group and uh, what it's like to not be a good offensive line. And this wasn't, you know, world beater type stuff out here today, but it was it was above average, which is like the standard now <laughs> that they need to reach after what it's been like these past few years. And Ed Ingram had some moments against Kenny Clark there on third down. But other than that, he seemed to have done pretty well. You know, I don't think he's going to lead the league in penalties like their last right guard did. No, I think that's that, – I mean, remember that first week last year when they go into Cincinnati and, and a lot of that game was just – I mean, the first half, they just – penalties, and most of them being on the offensive line, a lot of them being on Ole Udo, but just penalties galore where they shoot themselves in the foot. They, there wasn't – and this was this is a crew that doesn't throw the flag a whole lot, and they, I think, for the most part, kind of let people play today other than the OPI on Jefferson. But, um, yeah, overall, I'll, certainly a lot fewer grossly counterproductive moments for the offensive line than we saw at the start last year. Absolutely, and we will be back from TCO Performance Center and Egan to preview the Vikings' next game in Philadelphia on Monday night where they'll be playing Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, and company uh, on ESPN. We'll talk to you then. You know, do what my, my wife tries to tell me sometimes and say less, so I'll say less. <laughs>